from the rugged desert outside Yuma, Arizona. This is Outpost Outspoken. Outpost Outspoken is the official podcast of U.S. Army Yuma Proving Ground, which conducts natural environment testing of military equipment in Arizona, Alaska, and the tropics. Hello, I'm James Gilbert with the Public Affairs Office here at Yuma Proving Ground. Yuma Proving Ground Fire and Emergency Services made history recently and now has the capability to do something it has never been able to do before. Joining me today for another edition of the Outpost Outspoken podcast are Fire Chief Gerald Ball and Deputy Chief Matt Kelly. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. What was I talking about when I referred to YPG, Fire and Emergency, making history? Well, I, one of the things that you referred to, James, was uh, the, the fact that we were able to finalize a, a, our first official mutual aid agreement with the uh, Martinez Lake Fire District. Um, it's a newly formed fire district at Martinez Lake. The community is is rapidly developing out there and uh, about uh, it's always been a a district but they had in the past they had support from uh, uh, for fire protection from from rural metro Um, but a few years ago rural metro actually actually pulled resources out of that um, that area due Due to uh, some some other circumstances, but uh, they they stood up their own their own fire taxpayer funded uh, fire district. Uh, so we with that happening, we were able to um, to uh, initiate uh, discussions on entering into a mutual aid agreement. Now, YPG. Uh, fire and emergency services has a long-standing history of of response to that area and and um, and and supporting Martinez Lake and other surrounding communities. But we never we never had uh, an actual official document to uh, to uh, solidify that that relationship and and actually have a mutual benefit to to the the army as well as as the uh, martinez lake community so we we were able to uh, to actually get that get get that support and and also make that become a reality um uh, this this uh, recently so uh, the other thing, the other um, uh, historic uh, accomplishment is is we re- recently um, went through a a, a uh, hosted a sweet swift water rescue course. Uh, we we have been we've been attempting to uh, bring in this course for for several years now we we're actually able to make that a reality this this fiscal year because um uh we were able to secure the funding for it and and able to find a a a 
training vendor and and it, all the stars align uh, uh, so to speak uh, so we we were able to make that happen um, it, it it really went well it was a good course um, we were we had the the ability to uh, secure additional additional seats and uh, in the in the course and bring our uh, bring several other other um, agencies in to to participate in the course with us they were able to send uh, their firefighters as well we had um, firefighters from the city of Yuma Martinez Lake Fire District um, MCAS Structural Fire Department and M MCAS uh, Crash Fire Rescue, which th those uh, are all active duty Marines. So we were able to we were able to um, invite them in and 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 host them. And, and what this does for us, James, is is it gives us it gives us the ability to create a common operation operational picture for for all these mutual aid uh, partners that uh, that that we we have agreements with um, if if there is a need for a swift water rescue uh, we we are able to um, uh, request mutual aid resources uh, and and uh, uh, Initiate that that rescue and that rescue plan on a common common operational picture uh, through uh, through plans that we will create uh, to to respond to these in a, in a in a unified fashion. So they were both milestones in a sense, then. Absolutely, absolute milestones. We we've been uh, we we in a, in addition to the to the uh, the agreement with Martinez Lake Fire District, we've had a we've had a, a mutual aid agreements with with many other um, agencies in the county, uh, City of Yuma, MCAS, um, Rural Metro, um, BLM. Uh, we've had a long-standing agreements with those agencies uh what we've what we've uh been been able to accomplish here in the last year is is uh renewing those agreements updating them uh and 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 basically uh fortifying those relationships with uh, with these the the other agencies, so we can strengthen strengthen our agreement. The mutual aid agreements are 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 basically about neighbors helping neighbors. Uh, YPG has has the advantage of uh, uh, having uh, resources available in the North County that that wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be available to the surrounding community if if we weren't if we weren't uh, present here in the North County so you know we've had a long-standing uh, uh, history of of helping our neighbors uh, you know whether it be Martinez Lake, Hidden Shore, Senators Wash, uh, 
um, the Highway 95 uh, all the way down into uh, uh, from basically uh, Fortuna, the Fortuna intersection, all the way up to almost near Quartzsite, and the, we've we've been able to, you know, we've we've responded to incidents and calls for service in the in those locations. So we we uh, we're able to, when we're able to strengthen those those agreements and and uh, and and. Uh, have an actual formal agreement in writing. We're we're just able we're able to um, ensure that we continue that relationship with the, with our with our neighbors and and we we are able to assist them when they need our when they need our assistance. Okay. Aside from solidifying an already strong partnership, how does this mutual aid agreement with the Martinez Lake Fire Department benefit YPG. It benefits us in 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 several ways. The 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 uh, the primary reason for a mutual aid agreement is like I indicated before, neighbors helping neighbors. We we provide a a in our history we provide we have provided a lot more mutual aid and assistance to to outside agencies than than we've received but it's it's beneficial to have these agreements in place because they're reciprocal um they 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 indicate you know if 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 ypg were to have a major event then uh we we could also receive assistance from from uh, uh, outside agencies with with this disagreement. Okay, thank you, uh, Deputy Chief Kelly. Um, this Swift Water Rescue Certification Training course that uh, uh, was recently held that is something new to firefighters. From your agency, is that correct? It is, yes, and and actually, we we often have to send notifications out across the range and, and to our, our personnel that are out in the the desert areas when we get rain, or or sometimes the rain won't even be in our local vicinity. The rain will be north of us, and that water then culminates. The ground does not absorb it well here because it's not it's not used to getting saturated, and so the the rain the rain. Uh, accumulates up north and then winds up coming down through the washes and will oftentimes, uh, you know, people will get stuck on, on one side or the other of, of what is now a, a flowing riverbank. And if you give it time, the water will subside and you can cross it safely. But it does sometimes put us in precarious situations. Uh, we had uh, several incidents last year, uh, one in our own Aberdeen wash where somebody thought that it was, uh, it, it, at first glance, it looked like it was passable but the water levels will go up and down extremely fast. And that individual wound up uh, being stuck in the middle of Aberdeen Wash while it was flowing. Uh, those situations are unique. Um, they, they, the, it's complex in that it doesn't happen often, but when you look at it on a risk factor, it, it doesn't happen often, but it is a significant risk when it does happen. And so in order to be better prepared for it, um, you know, Chief Ball and, and, and our, our department has been seeking this training for, for quite a while now. 
In the situation last year, we were able to rely on that mutual aid agreement with the city of Yuma, and they have some swift water trained individuals. They sent a team out. Uh, they helped us do an assessment of the situation and ensure that uh, it didn't get worse, uh, that we were able to make the correct judgment calls based off of the risk assessment uh, using their expertise. And we needed to bring that to our community. We needed to bring that to our staff to make sure that we're, we're ready for any of these situations in the future. So not just doing, uh, our staff now is not only going to be able to respond to these incidents, they're going to be able to do risk assessments on these, these incidents. They're going to be able to take a look at the washes and some of the, the waterways and the roadways uh, on property and, and help out to create some risk management plans. Uh, take a look at uh, some of the areas and, and how does the water flow through there? Where are some of maybe the areas, uh, um, you know, maybe we need to put some more meters out there or we need to put some level gauges out there so we can see how deep the water is. Um, our staff is now uh, prepared and educated so that they can help us make those, those decisions and those risk assessments, not only ahead of time, but also during the incident. The other thing that, that this course uh, brought to us is the, the techniques and the gear and equipment. It's, it's always evolving. There's always somebody reinventing something. There's always a best practice that's being learned. And again, it's not going to be learned here at YPG because these incidents don't happen often, but when they do happen, they are significant. So we're able to capitalize on that from these other, the other agencies, other entities that are experts in this. Uh, they were able to come out. Uh, provide us with a list of updated gear and uh, updated techniques to using that equipment. And, and that way we can respond to these incidents safely and reduce the loss to property and, uh, and, and life. Unfortunately, we're out of time now. But once mm -hmm. again, thank you, Chief Ball. Thank you, Deputy Chief uh, Kelly, for being here. I appreciate it and uh, hope to talk to you guys again soon. Well, well, thank you very much, James, for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Built sometime during the 1960s, the Post Chapel at U.S. Army Proving Ground has been a cornerstone of garrison life for the civilian and soldiers who live on base, but buildings as old as the chapel sometime needs work. Hello, I'm James Gilbert with the Public Affairs Office here at Yuma Proving Ground, and joining me today for another edition of the Outpost Outspoken podcast is Chaplain Ryan Pierce to talk to us about an ongoing project to repair some damage being done to the Post Chapel. Thank you for being here, Captain Pierce. Good morning, thank you for having me. The repair work is being done by a private construction company under the supervision of the Directorate of Public Works and aims to fix the more than 60-year-old chapel's foundation. So what caused this damage? Well, so I've heard a couple different things. The, the, so if you live on YPG, you know about the ground squirrels. There's lots of ground squirrels. Maybe some people call them moles or voles, whatever they are. That's been blamed partially. Um, there were a couple trees that they had to take down because the root system was causing foundational issues. And then also I heard where they uh, built the fellowship hall, uh, which is where the foundation problems were happening. It was on a mini fault line and there was just, there was just some problems with the foundation. So the chapel itself, the original chapel, was built in the 1960s. And when I say original chapel, I mean the sanctuary. But the add-on, and if anyone's ever been in the chapel, they know that the fellowship hall, the multi-purpose room, that was added on uh, a couple decades later. That is where they had foundation issues, um, which, which caused problems that, of course, 
they are fixing right now. But the fellowship hall, as I understood, was actually sinking and it that caused cracks in the foundation? Yes, it was literally sinking uh, and breaking away from the original chapel construction. So once again, fellowship hall was an add-on and they saw noticeable damage where it was sinking into the ground, breaking away from the original chapel construction. So obviously that's a big problem. And they were able to catch it before it got too bad. Um, and so that's fortunate. So what, as a result, what type of work needed to be done? Well, the main effort of the work obviously uh, focused around just the sh shoring up the foundation underneath the fellowship hall. Um, the rest of the chapel was okay but they had to get underneath, and I forget exactly, they, the construction workers explained it to me, but basically it's just normal foundation work to ensure that this doesn't happen again, the fellowship hall doesn't sink anymore, um, and, and they were able to accomplish that. Okay, so when did the project begin, and when do you anticipate it being completed? Because I've noticed there's still some orange mess mesh fencing around some places of the chapel. Yes, so any major construction project, it, it, it takes a while. Um, most of the work is done. It started, I believe, in June. So they've been working all summer. Um, they are almost done. And you, you, you do notice the orange mesh fence still out there, which means it's still actively a construction zone. We are open. The chapel is 100% open. Uh, we still have services and, and all that. But until they just shore up the last 1%, they got to do a couple last things. They got to clean up a little bit. I anticipate that they'll be completely done. They're almost fully done already. But I anticipate they'll be 100% done, cleaned up. The orange mesh uh, will come down probably just here in a few weeks, uh, sometime in November. So what's left? So there's a... There's some orange mesh tape behind the chapel. Yeah, it's most, like I said, they're mostly done. They, they just got to do some, some cleanup work. They, they did, of course, the number one thing was foundational work. But then while they were doing that, they also did a lot of landscaping. So the outside of the chapel, all around the chapel looks a lot better. I think there's just a little bit more landscaping they have to do. Then they just have to clean up, close up shop, and then they'll be done with the outside. What about, is that a parking lot they're making it back? Yeah, so in the back side parking lot next to the CDC, um, they're going to redo that parking lot. And the reason they're gonna do that is because um, actually there was a tank underneath that parking lot that, that, that is no longer being used. Um, I believe it was for the heating oh, of the okay. chapel, right. yeah. And so that's no longer needed anymore, so they're just gonna dig that up and take it out. Well, after they do that, they're just going to put down new concrete there. So we'll have a new, um, new uh, concrete in, in our uh, little side parking lot there. They're currently working on that. They should be done with that uh, here in a couple weeks in November. So did the construction contract also include doing any, uh, any landscaping work? Yes, it's called zero landscaping, um, which is, you know, just fancy for saying there's not a whole lot of brush there, and and it's it, it looks really good. There's lots of rocks and um, and 
it, it, it does look pretty good. So they were able to clean up all around, not just where they were doing the foundation construction, but over all around 100% all around the uh, chapel. So it looks more appealing um, and, uh, and, and that was part of the contract. So they're pretty much done with that as well. Do they lay grass seeds down or anything as yeah. part of that? Well, yeah, so our front yard um, was uh, pretty tore up there for a while, but just recently, they laid new grass seed. They're starting to water it. It looks really green. Um, so it, the the front yard is pretty healthy right now. It does look like it can use a lawn mowing. Yes, it, it <laughs> needs. We got to get all the construction stuff, uh, you know, taken taken off, and then yes, uh, the the lawn mower needs to come by. That leads me into my next question because in a previous conversation we had, you had mentioned that you planned on planting some trees in the front lawn of the church this month um, i'm assuming that's going to be pushed back until the construction's completed so as a matter of fact literally as we speak this morning there is an auger in the front yard of the chapel and they are digging holes in anticipation of planting those trees which might happen um, as early as later this week but certainly next week so they got authorization even with you know technically it's still a construction zone in the front yard they have authorization, we can start planting those trees. So I'm gonna invite a few people from the community to come out. Um, it's mostly symbolic. Uh, I think the construction workers will do most of the work. And then for those who stay at YPG for a long time, or someone like myself who is eventually gonna have to PCS, and hopefully you know, 10 or 15 years later, maybe I can come back to YPG and see those trees and see the growth because Around here, shade is a premium. Oh yeah. So I, the, those trees right now probably aren't going to offer very much shade, but in ten years, there there's going to be a lot of shade, um, and it's going to look really good um, it, there in the front yard. How many trees are we talking about? I don't believe I've ever asked you that. Yeah. So it's going to be eight to ten. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. It's more than I was anticipating. Yeah. Now the bulk, kind of the middle part of the front yard, is going to remain open. A lot of the kids that, that come to the chapel, um, you know, we like to go out in the front yard and throw the football around. So we're gonna keep that space open, but kind of on either edge of the front yard, uh, we're going to have, you know, four, a line of four or five trees on one edge and four or five trees on the other edge. So it's gonna make, you know, it's spaced out evenly uh, and it's gonna make some pretty good shade and look pretty good here in a few years. Okay, you've also made quite a few changes inside the chapel since you got here in June of 2022. Specifically, I think you said you've added a nursery. Um, care to talk about any of them or any other plans you may have for the future? Yeah, so we, and I say we, me and the chapel staff there, it's, it's myself, Sergeant Covington, Sergeant Suggs, and uh, gotta give a shout out to Sergeant Covington. She probably did most of the work and we had other people from the community come and help. So we, I mean, first and foremost, we just kind of decluttered uh, and we threw some stuff away that we didn't need. Um, we also, yes, made an office that wasn't even being used and we converted that into a nursery that is now used every Sunday morning. We want them to walk in and say, hey, this chapel looks pretty good. And for those who used to go to the chapel, 
before 2022, and then they came in later after we did a lot of the interior designing, it was noticeable. They said, wow, it looks a lot better in here. So that's a great compliment. And, and that's, that's what we want to do. We want to give a good product to the YPG community because they deserve it. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have. And I would like to once again to thank Chaplain Pierce for taking time to stop by and talk to us here at the Outpost Outspoken Podcast. Thank you, James. All right. Thank you very much. This has been Outpost Outspoken. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time from the forefront of Army transformation.